Well, good morning. Welcome to Cultivate Church. Uh, my name is Jay. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to, uh, to uh, welcome you. What we're going to do is, uh, is kind of a shorter service, and, uh, and then we're going to gather afterwards for lunch. And so when we gather for lunch, uh, we're gathering with some of the people that we get to serve through our food pantry ministry. Uh, it's just a great opportunity. And what, so one of the things we talked about last week was us being the church, right? Uh, we are not gathered in a church. We are the church when we gather together. And so when we are together, we want to be the church. We want to be a church that is devoted and dedicated to God and what he's up to in the world. And, uh, and so what we're going to do today is kind of live that out, okay? So, so we get the opportunity to gather together. That's the relational piece. And we get a chance to gather together with people that we have the opportunity to serve. That's kind of the missional piece. And so th- those together end up being two of our three core values, which we talked about last week. So it's a great opportunity for us uh, to gather and to do those things, which means I need to be kind of short today in order for us to do that because we got lunch at 12 o'clock. So you know that this is something from God directly because otherwise I wouldn't uh, be cutting sermons short. Um, normally a difficult thing for me to do. So, so what we're going to be doing now, today, as, as we gather here for the moment, is to be talking about thankfulness, oddly enough. Huh? Really original idea, having just gone through Thanksgiving. But I've been thinking a lot about it, and so I figured what I'd do is share some of those thoughts with you uh, to maybe help all of us Uh, gain a little bit more perspective on the season rather than just allowing it to come and go and pass us by. Um, So I've called this morning's message, I Choose Thankful. And so this this may be a a kind of a reoccurring uh, theme. We may come back to this in a series at some point in the future, something along the the lines of I choose. Because there are a lot of things that we tend to think of as non-choosable things in our lives, things that are kind of thrust upon us and yet so oftentimes we have the ability to choose how we react to things, and yet we don't. Um, so l- let me start out this way. How many of you have like a really tough time making decisions sometimes? Can I see your... How many of you are like really decisive, you never have trouble, you just know what you want? You go to a restaurant and you're like, I want that, no, no uh, regrets, I know exactly what I want. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's helpful to have somebody like that in a relationship. So if you are the kind of person that has difficulty making decisions, you can kind of offload that onto somebody else. I'm one of those people that has kind of a difficult time making decisions when it comes to having a lot of different options. And so a lot of the time this comes up when, when you get into like a restaurant situation, right? And uh, the worst is the Cheesecake Factory. Have you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? The, the menu is like that thick, you know? You need like a half an hour just to read the menu, let alone decide what you want. And every time you turn a page, you think, okay, I've got it. I know exactly what I'm going to get. You flip the page and you go, I have no idea again. I just have no clue. And now you're back to square one. Um, I was kind of having this this difficulty last night because we went out to dinner uh, when we gathered with Mandy's family. And uh, I I just could not decide what we wanted. And, And so somebody else had you know, you, you get what you want. You, you think, okay, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get this. I think I'm going to get this. And then it goes around the table. The person next to you says, I'm going to have that. And you go, ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> N- never mind what I was going to get. I'm going to get what she is. So, so I ended up getting what my mother-in-law had exactly verbatim just because when she said it, it sounded really good. 
It was great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I I looked this up, that uh, we are faced with about 5,000, up to 5,000 decisions every single day. Every single day, you you have to make up to 5,000 decisions from the time you get out of bed to the time you go back to bed in the evening. And so we go through life having to make a number of choices. And some of those can be very easy choices, right, like maybe what to have for cereal in the morning, uh, and, you, and you just have your favorite, and you pull that off the shelf, and that's your decision. Some of them may be really difficult, like, you know, where to go Black Friday shopping at 12 o'clock at night on, uh, on Thanksgiving evening, uh, which doorbusters you're going to go after and which ones uh, you're not. Um, but we have to make a, a lot of decisions in life. Here's the thing, though. Oftentimes, we, we have a category in our lives for things that we think are non-decided items. And so we make 5,000 decisions a day, and yet there are other things that we put into a category that I have no choice over, I have no control over. They are things that are thrust upon me, and I have no decision-making ability when it comes to deciding how I will react to those things. And so we put a lot of things in, in terms of our frame of mind into that category. I'll give you a couple examples. Happiness, contentment, anger. So many of the things that, that we think of frames of mind, our state of being, we often attribute them as things that are thrust upon us that we have absolutely no decision-making ability. And so you get really angry at something, and you think, why am I so angry? Well, it's because she did this to me. Well, yeah, you may not be able to choose what that person did to you, but you can control that ability. And so sometimes we have this thing, like we, we have a box called things I can control, and a box called things I can't control. And a lot of times we allow ourselves to be dictated by the things that are in that second box, the things that we can't control, or at least the things we think we can't control. And as I was thinking through it this week, I I, I was thinking of it from the perspective of, do we often put thankfulness in that second box? We often think to ourselves, I will be thankful if, And so if the circumstances don't line up correctly, if they don't work out the way that I would like them to, then I put that that level of thankfulness in a second box and say, well, I would be more thankful if something worked out for me. But is that really thankfulness? That's the thought I kept coming to this week. Is that real thankfulness? Um, And is thankfulness something that we can choose? Because sometimes we can look at somebody else who seems to be a very thankful person, and so we play this kind of mind game, and we qualify it, and we go, well, yeah, sure, I would be thankful too if my life was like his. But it's not, and so I'm less thankful. Right? Here's the big idea this morning, and and I'm going to try to convince you of this. Thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is a choice. And I'm going to try to back it up by Scripture. So we're going to talk about it from uh, Luke 17. There's, there's a very interesting story where Jesus comes up uh, to, uh, to some people and they get healed from his uh, presence there. And so we're going to be talking about thankfulness as a choice. And it's a choice on the basis of relationship, not circumstances. 
So this is what Luke 17 says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, uh, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So you have this circumstance. Jesus is walking along kind of a border town between Samaria, which was a land of sort of half-breeded people between uh, Jews and Gentiles. They were kind of the, the group that intermixed between the two, and they didn't really fit anywhere. And so he's walking between the land of Samaria, which are sort of the outsiders to the whole deal, and Israel, which are the insiders. And he comes into a town one day, and he is confronted by ten people, all who have leprosy. They have some kind of skin disease that was crippling. It actually caused your hands and your feet to sort of cripple up, so it would be very difficult even to pick yourself up off the ground. Eventually, it killed you because your limbs would, and your organs would start to shut down. So he's confronted with these ten people. They cry out to him, have pity on us. And he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Meaning, go, go, and go into the religious system, and once you get there, you'll be cleansed. And, and they realize on their way to the temple that Jesus had, in fact, healed them. And apparently the other nine had realized this and kept going on their way, and yet one of them came back, and that person happened to be the one outsider. It's very important to the story. Um, so I want to sort of think about a few things when it comes to thankfulness based out of this story. And uh, the first one is this. Being thankful means realizing that God has already done the heaviest lifting in your life. I want to say that again because you probably won't believe me, but God has already done the heaviest lifting in your life. So you realize when, when they're walking along, right, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. All ten were cleansed, and yet one comes back. Here's the thing. God has already done the heavy lifting for them. Has he not? All of them probably still have lives left to live. They still have things left to do. And yet Jesus has healed them. They are living a different quality of life than they have ever known before. Correct? Cleansed, healed, made whole. For those of us who know Jesus, God has already done the heaviest lifting in our lives. We who are once separated from him by sin, God reconciled us to him. He forgave us of all sin, past, present, future. Healed us, gave us a new life. The Bible says that we are a new creation if we are in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing reality. We are completely new, even though 
we still have things going on in our lives which we wouldn't like for us to experience, right? For those of us who call ourselves Christians and follow Jesus, God has already done the heaviest lifting because we have gone literally from death to life. All of our past is taken care of. All of our present is taken care of. I'm kind of reminded of uh, the verse in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. They, They don't spin or sew, and yet God clothes them more in greater fashion than even King Solomon. And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They, they don't worry a, about life, and yet your heavenly Father gives them everything that they need in order to survive. And then he says this, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. For those of us who, who know Jesus, we have an incredible amount to be thankful for even if God never did another thing for us. We, sang, we even sang it this morning, right? We sang, thank you for the cross. That was one of the songs that we sang. If that becomes the, the watermark moment in our lives, then everything else is put into perspective because we realize that God did all the heavy lifting. All right, second thing is this. Not only did God do all the heaviest lifting in our lives, but you can't worship God apart from being thankful. It's impossible to worship God apart from being thankful. It says this, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. So the guy's obviously thankful for being healed, right? And yet he comes back, and what does he do? He's praising God because of it. See, thankfulness and praise are synonymous. Not only that, but you can't be thankful without being vocal. Do you ever have somebody in your life that, and, and you were really thankful for that person and what they did for you and who they were, and, uh, and you knew them for a number of years, and, and then you realized that over a period of time that they didn't realize that you were thankful for them? And then you go, wait a second, why, why don't you understand that, that I really value your presence in my life? And their response is something like, well, you never told me. See, thankfulness is always vocal. You can't be thankful without expressing it. And so oftentimes we, we are thankful for what God has done in our lives, and yet we don't thank him for it. So let me ask this. Does God know how thankful you are? Does he realize? Does, does he, has he heard it from your lips how thankful you are for all that he's done for you? Jesus said this, Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Ouch, right? The one guy gets it. He comes back to Jesus and says, I am going to give my praise to God and thank him for what he's done. The other nine don't, and yet they were still healed, right? That's always the interesting part to me. All right, third is this. Thankfulness, and this is the most important out of all of them, thankfulness has little to do with our circumstances. Thankfulness has little to do with our, with our circumstances. 
hear this. Which one of the people came back to thank Jesus of the ten? The Samaritan. The Samaritan is the one with the hardest road ahead in his life. Right? Like I said, Jesus is walking along between this border town, Samaria on one side, Israel on the other. He comes and he heals ten people. The one comes back. The one person happens to be the Samaritan, the outsider, the one who is rejected by the religious system and by the people. All of them live in a new class of life, yes? And yet the other nine will be reaccepted into society, no questions asked. It's the Samaritan who will continue to be an outsider. It's the Samaritan who will continue to have a very, very, very difficult life. And yet he's the one who's most thankful. Isn't that interesting? You want to hear my theory as to why? The other nine probably felt more entitled to be healed. The Samaritan already knows he's an outsider, already feels like he's separated from society, already feels like he's somehow condemned by God. And yet God shows up and heals him and gives him a new quality of life. He had no expectation of it before when he woke up that morning, and yet when he goes to bed, he goes to bed thanking and praising God for what he had done in his life. And even though the road ahead is more difficult for him than the other nine, he didn't expect it to be done, and yet he is so much more grateful for what God had done in his life. Here's the thing. When entitlement is high, thankfulness is low. If you feel like you're entitled to something... When it happens for you, your, your level of thanksgiving over that item will be very low. It's, it's kind of like going to Black Friday thing, you know, and you're waiting outside for, for like four days to get in. And you think I'm kidding, but I actually saw somebody on the news who showed up at Walmart at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. Wednesday! And waited all the way around the clock, missed Thanksgiving dinner with her family so that she could get a $200 television. Now, if you're that person and you walk into Walmart and you get your TV, are you thankful that you got it at a discount? Yeah, I I, I mean, I think so. But do you feel entitled to get it because you spent the time waiting outside for two days? Absolutely. Now, if I just walked into Walmart And somebody said, hey, you're the winner. You get a TV. It's absolutely free. Just go to the cash register, walk out with it. And I didn't expect to get it. How thankful am I? I'm pretty darn thankful, right? (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm dancing my way back to the car. (laughs) When expectation is high, when entitlement is high, thankfulness is low. And yet if you, are, if, if you realize that you are entitled to nothing and yet God gives you everything, you are the most thankful person on earth. And that's exactly the, the Samaritan, right? Entitlement, incredibly low. Thankfulness, incredibly high. He still has a very difficult road ahead and yet he will go through his life praising God 
for that one day where Jesus brought him from sickness to health, from death to life. That's why I say that God has already done the heavy lifting. And if you realize that you are not entitled to God doing that in your life, you will be thankful about just about everything. You'll be thankful because you'll realize exactly what God has done for you. Paul sums it up this way in a very succinct uh, phrase when he says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. For this is God's will. For who? For you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The reason that you can give thanks in all circumstances is because of Christ Jesus. Because he is part of your life in every circumstance. And so any circumstance that comes our way, we can give thanks to God for it because we know that he goes with us, that he's there for us. Give thanks in all circumstances. So let me give you an experiment uh, to do this week. Uh, it's, it's got two parts to it, okay? So it, here's what I want you to try out. Rather than letting this whole Thanksgiving thing just fly by and being on to Christmas and shopping and la, 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 and all that stuff, um, try out this, kind of, this two-part thing. If you, if you struggle with your level of thankfulness, let me challenge you to do something this week. Every time you find yourself discouraged, I want you to ask this question to yourself. Do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God is good? The reason this is important, because if you believe that God is good, then you'll be able to ride out that discouragement and turn it into a place of thanksgiving in your life. Do I believe that God is good? Because if I don't believe that God is good, then I will look elsewhere for goodness. Right? So if I can't find it somewhere, I'm going to look somewhere else. Going back to Black Friday, if, if Walmart doesn't have my TV, I'm going to shop at Target, right? And so if one store is out, I'm just going to go to the other. And we, we kind of do this as consumers anyway. We, we, we play the shopping game, and so if one store doesn't have it, we'll go to the next place. If that doesn't have it, we'll go to a third place. We'll go to the place that has everything that we need. And if it doesn't have everything that we need, we'll disperse, and we'll get something someplace, something a, a different place. Here's the thing. If you realize that God has everything that you need, then you have no reason to look elsewhere. If you realize that God has everything, then you have no reason to look elsewhere. And so if I think and believe in my heart fully and continue to remind myself that God is good and gives things to me in his grace, then I don't have any reason to look elsewhere. And so if I find myself being discouraged and not thankful, I need to ask myself that question. Is God good? The second part of this thing is, is this. If something, does, if something good does come your way, here's the thing. Um, I want to challenge you to pray a very simple prayer. And it goes something like this. God, thank you. I will not take this for granted. God, thank you. I will not take this for granted. What that does is it helps us 
to, to link together the fact that something good came into our life with the fact that God is the one who provided it. The more that we make that connection in our minds and in our hearts, the more often we do that in life, the more we'll make that connection with something else comes our way. The more we attribute the good things in our life to another source, be it luck or skill, then the less thankful we become to God. We realize those things come from him. It increases our level of thankfulness. The the fourth and the last thing is this. Those who are most thankful grow closest to God. It kind of goes back to this idea that when you realize it comes from him, it develops a relationship with you. So look what happens. The guy comes back thanking and praising God, and this is what Jesus says. He says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Were the other nine healed? Yeah, they were healed. They went on their way. They probably lived good lives. Uh, What happened to the one guy that came back? He got an extra word from Jesus. Think of how valuable that is. To get an extra word from God for your life. All because you chose to come back and give him thanks. Sometimes we cut off the flow of God from our lives when we choose not to be thankful. When we choose to be thankful, we come back and we say, God, thank you for all the good things that you've given God says, not only have I done that, but I'll give you more. Those of you who have kids, um, when your kids are really grateful for what you've given, what does that do to you? Yeah, you should be thankful, right? Go to your room. (laughs) That's not our reaction, is it? When they're grateful, when they come back and thank you for the things that you've given into their lives, as a parent, it opens your heart up to them, right? And you go, not only will I give you that, but I'll give you more. You are so welcome. Those who are most thankful develop that relationship and end up experiencing more blessings from God than they could ever handle. So what could happen for us if we were thankful? I think God would continue to bless, even more than he's already blessed. He would continue to show up even more than he's already shown up. He would continue to give us another word and another word and another word to lead us down the path where he would have us go, all because we chose to stop and give him thanks. So you have a choice. I hope you see that. And I hope your answer is the same as mine, because I, this morning... I don't want to let the Thanksgiving season go by. I want to choose thankful. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning. We thank you, God, that you've done the heavy lifting in our lives that uh, because we know you, because you came to this world in the form of your son, which we'll be celebrating in this next season of the year, that you've given us life and you've given us hope and a future. You've given us your love and a spirit which guides and leads us. You've forgiven us of our past and you have a a fantastic future for us. So God, we just pause and we thank you, God, for what you've done. 
I pray that that our disposition would be such that even if you never brought any other blessing into our lives, that we would still be thankful for what you've done. And yet we know that you are a good God, a good Father, who loves to shower his children with good things. And so you continue to bless. You've given us a family. You've given us a vision for the future. You've given us so much, and you continue to give. And so, God, we thank you, even for the things that you've yet to give. Let us not be a people that takes any of this for granted. Let us be a people that continues, not just one time a year, but throughout the year, to give you thanks and praise for what you've done and what you're doing. We ask in Christ's name.